Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the beautiful game podcast as always i'm your host budge joined by my faithful two co-conspirators dot and dej boys what's going on i'm good budge man how are you bro i'm, I'm excited for this one i i'm really really excited for this one this one's been um uh, a long time coming it's been in the pipeline uh finally happy to get it over the line man so raring to go how about you dej yeah i'm doing very well you know this is someone that i've followed his career because I remember in college, I was told, you need to watch out for my boy. He's going to make it. <laughs> boy, has he made it. So, yeah, let's get it cracking. 100%. Let's get it cracking. So, we are joined by a, a very special guest who currently plies his trade for uh, Sheffield Wednesday in the championship as a fullback. He is, however, uh, equally as adept at, at fullback um, as he is on, on, on the wing as well. Uh, such is the dexterity of the uh, the young man. <laughs> he, uh, he he established himself uh, in the youth ranks at uh, Leighton Orient before breaking through to the first team at the tender age of 18. And uh, as far as dream debuts go, I don't think uh, they get uh, much better than that. Um, true to his name, Moses, he had defenders parting like the Red Sea when he uh, was running at them. Uh, they stood off and he let off an absolute wonder strike with his left foot. He does quite, he does uh, uh, fancy a, a, a shot outside the box with his, with his left foot, actually. Uh, he scored a few of those in his time. Um, he's also had stints at, at Brentford, at Hull, and represented England um, at under-20 level. So without further ado, we're going to get this cracking as we welcome Moses Odubajo to the platform. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome, welcome. Man. Cheers, man. We got our last Brentford, you know, goes by the name. <laughs> My introduction ain't going to be as good as Bridges, but <laughs> I'm going to say thanks to the guys for obviously reaching out. You know, obviously it's a long time coming. Um, we've got the time now to sit down, obviously, as everyone's in lockdown. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to, to hear some of the questions that the boys have, have got for me. 100%. You know what? Yeah, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, just very quickly, how are you fi- finding this period? 
you know what, man? I, re- I recently posted, I recently made an Instagram account, um, which is obviously Moses underscore 28 underscore. Um, and I just thought, you know, it's, it's a weird time in our lives that obviously no one knew that this, this was going to freaking affect the UK as it's done, obviously, let alone the world. Um, but for me, I think it's given me time to, to reset, you know, like to, to kind of almost start again in a sense. Because like, I feel like I, I got to a small roadblock. Obviously, careers ain't as rosy and daisy as they, mm. as they say they are. And obviously, kids dream and look at footballers and fans look at footballers and always think it's they're not playing well. How can they not be playing well when they're earning X amount a week? Um, they get to go to Dubai because obviously everyone sees Dubai as a... <laughs> uh, once you've made a certain yeah. amount of money, you go to Dubai. Or once you've got a, a designer wash bag... Um, <laughs> You've you've made it, you know, and I feel like this period, like, it 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 was kind of a reality check to, in in a sense, if I'm honest, for me, because since obviously coming back from my injury, um, mentally it's been it, it's been quite tough, you know, because you you get to like boundaries, so you, you pass one boundary, then another one comes in front of you, and I feel like now it's it's a point for me. Obviously, I've not started the season as well as I thought. I would have started in my head and obviously what I dream about. So I feel like this, this time now has made me work on things that I didn't have a chance to work on while the season was going because everyone knows when you're in a daily routine, you, you just it just flies by before you know it. It's Christmas, after Christmas, New Year's, New yeah, Year's, then yeah, yeah. your birthday, you're a year older, you know. So I feel like this time especially has helped me a lot and it probably might have helped, helped others, you know, but mm. um, I'm reflecting working on parts of my game that I didn't get a chance to work on, going through old old clips and, and more more on the mental side, man, because everyone thinks, like I said, footballers are freaking, they're, they're in the public eye all the time and they just, they should know what to do. Mentally, they're always going to be in a position where they're never going to be affected by what they hear. But that's that's wrong, man. Like, it, we're, we're normal people. We're normal people that they, 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 you know, if you, you have a bad day at work, you come home, it's, it's, it's the same for us. You come home, you're still annoyed at it. You wake up the next morning, you're still angry at your, your, your work colleague for something you've done yesterday or for yeah. something you've done last month. So it's the same, it's the same for us, you know. And I feel like now I'm just, it, with this time, I'm just trying to better myself mentally um, and, and to, to finish the, hopefully to finish the last couple of games of the season um, as high as I can. So at this moment in time, so what does your day-to-day look like? So have you got a structure or are you just training or... Is there a bit hair there and everywhere? Well, it goes it goes between everything you've mentioned, to be fair. Um, but no, I try to give myself a, a main structure, obviously, of working out, trying to keep my body in tip-top shape. Um, so me and my girlfriend, we go into the gym. Um, we're lucky enough to obviously have built one in the garage. Um, so we've got quite a few equipment in there. So we try and use that. Um, we'll probably do... A run, one, well, we do three runs split with three bikes. So we do one set of each three times. Um, we do some leg weights. And then after that, we do some core work. Um, then we come back in. I've got like a lot of protein shakes. We take that, have lunch. Um, ideally, probably take the dog out because we've got a dog. Mm. Um, and then once all that, that hard work's gone out of the way, my girlfriend does a bit of homework because she's a school teacher. Mm. 
Um, then I obviously have a little bit of downtime on the on the PlayStation with Amanda. Only <laughs> Sony, <laughs> <laughs> right? Taking no chances. <laughs> and as you lot know, you can probably sit on there for <laughs> you can sit on there for hours, man. Yeah. Um, and then before you know it, the evening the evening approaches, and then it's 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 dinner time. And then obviously I'm, I'm well. I started studying Spanish mm. when I when I got injured, so I've I've tried to keep it up. So I have any any particular reason why Spanish of all languages, or was it um, just been something that you? No, I just thought they speak it in a lot of countries. Um, throughout my career, I've played with a lot of Sp- well Spanish people, mm. um, and like when you go to teams, there's obviously cliques in it, different different groups. Everyone just gels. Yeah, and like a lot of teams I've been at, there's always been a little Spanish community. I'd call it. And, like, <laughs> I always used to see them, and like obviously I try like in the change room, I try and speak to everyone, like, I'm not that type of player. Mm. Um, and, like, they'd always be speaking, and I'm thinking, yo, like, this is sick, like, how no one could actually understand what they're saying. <laughs> and I want to try, I want to get involved. So, little by little, I've learned the lingo. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, I went to Hull, and then my injury happened. Um, and I thought, you know what, man, like, I've got, I've got a lot of time now. Let me just try, yeah. try and keep my brain active. And, and I picked up, I got to a point where I was picking it up very quickly, and then as you start to learn about the different tenses and the different words have three or four different meanings, that's when it starts to scatter your brain. But um, slowly but surely, man, I, I'm, I'm understanding and, and speaking better. Fair, fair play. Now, um, what we te- uh, typically tend to do, right, is that when we um, speak to uh, anyone in the game, um, uh, journalists, players, so on and so forth, we always tend to start from the beginning, right? Yeah. Now... With your story, obviously you've already alluded to to, um, to it in, in in what you were saying just then. Is that a common theme is 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 having to be mentally strong? And you spoke about um, you know really taking the time out now to focus on that. And and I know throughout your career you've had to be really really strong. And there's there's been highs and there's been lows. So what I I guess what I wanted what I wanted us to do on this occasion is to change the format slightly. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about both the highs and the lows, but I want us to start off with the highs, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, but in my mind, the first big one, of course, you've got, you know, signing your first yeah. um, uh, youth contract or, or, and so on and so forth, right? You're, you're a scholar. But the first thing um, that comes to mind is your dream debut, right? So I want us to start there. You've, 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 you've gone to Orient. You've, you've, you've worked really, really hard. You've come through the youth ranks and you make your debut for the team at 18 years old. Talk to us about that moment, about that experience. Like when you woke up that day, going to the, to the, to the stadium, getting your boots on, like to just run us through that day. I'll take you back. I don't know how many years ago it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the morning of that game, I think it was nearly, it might have been the end of the season or near the end of the season. So there was about five, maybe five, four loan players who were on loan at Orient at the time. And um, I thought, you know, the manager, like we, we had nothing to play for. We were mid-table, I think, or we, wherever he was in the league at the time anyway. So I was thinking, I woke up, I was like, there's a chance that he's not named the team because normally you'd name the team on the Friday or even the Thursday or whatever throughout the week. So that there's a chance that I could be playing, but who knows? Like these lone players, obviously they, they might be out of contract, so they need to still play, keep playing 
because when your contract's running down, you need to be in the shot window as much as possible. So I got ready as normal, had my pre-match at home, then drove over to West, uh, East London, usual Blackwood Tunnel traffic, uh, in, my suit, in my suit, sweating, thinking, oh, I'm going to be late now, so I'm going to be late. Then you get through the other side and you're clean sailing. So I get into the change room now and it's just normal, normal change room vibes. You've got the jokers, you've got the ones your headphones in, you've got the readers, you've got the, the guys who are coming in looking at everyone's swag. Like, Because obviously not, we didn't all have the same suits, so it was just suit and tie, whatever you want to wear. So certain men used to come, like, I remember we had Harry Kane on loan um, from Tottenham at the time. He was 18, mm. same age as me, same birthday. Um, I think he had like a leather shirt. Man came in a leather shirt. Um, <laughs> wow. Tie. Like, it was it was bold, didn't it? It was a bold. Yeah, that is a bold. <laughs> boldness obviously has helped him reach the pinnacles that he's reached, you know, and obviously mm. credit to the kid. Um, was, he a, was he a bagsman back, that, back at that time as well? Um, he was, to be fair. I think mm. back then, one thing that stood out for me was his technique. Like, mm. he just, he was like a, he was like a, he was like a Federer, like in terms of just left foot, right foot, silky. Yeah. Like, everything looked nice. Like, you know, there's certain guys when they kick a ball. Like, <laughs> yeah, it looks forced. It looks forced. Yeah. And even with your weaker foot, like when certain men kick with a weaker foot, you can tell it's their weaker foot because it's yeah. Doesn't look too good, but with him, it was just in the air or on the floor, similar to like Tom Huddleston type technique. Like, yeah, yeah. just they can they can clean, for a ball, yeah. it's clean. You hear the noise, you know what noise it's here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a certain man who kick it and it, you can, you know, what I mean? it doesn't sound yeah. don't get me wrong, you score or you you, you pass your other teammate, it yeah. counts in it. Mm. Um, so obviously, people used to come in the changing room. Whatever, whatever, you've got the loud people, you've got the bold people. Yeah. And the managers come in now and as you do, you've got like a flip, you've got like a big flipboard um, and it's obviously face down so it's like a closed flipboard and you're, everyone's waiting now and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, yo, like, I'm, I'm excited, you know, but at the same time, I'm a bit, a bit nervous and these, t- like, them times there, I was, I, I still thought I was a, I was a winger. So, um, he, he started, Russell Slade started talking he's like yeah um, the lone boys like, I just want to congratulate them for coming here doing well because a lot of them were in um, the championship at the time and even one was in the Premier League so he just wanted to congratulate them and he said look I don't feel like there's nothing to play for so I don't want you lot to get injured so obviously the, the best thing for me to do is that put you lot on the bench because if you do get injured and you're in your last you're in your last year I don't want you going into the summer injured so then I just started to, everything started to get a bit warm <laughs> so I'm thinking there are like this is this is a bit unexpected and the night before I think I went to bed at like 3am 4am because I was just like the last I think it might have been the last home game of the season or the, it might have been the last game I'm not too sure but I was just like look it's the last one of the last games that I'm probably going to get maybe like 5-10 minutes at the end of the mm. game sprint do three sprints and then the whistle's blowing. Might even touch the ball. Mm. So then, anyway, it's like he turned the flipboard over and it was just like slow mo. But I could only see like so I've seen who's on the right wing position, and it's not me. <laughs> and it's like it was Jamal, it was Jamal Campbell Rice. Okay, really. no, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So Jamal was Jamal was on right wing. Something in the case. So I've seen the left wing now. Now I can't remember who it was at the time. Might have been Lee Cook. I'm not too sure. 
I'm like, okay, no, this, this, is, this is some sort of joke. So as he's as it's flipped it up fully, I've just seen number 22, bottom right. I'm thinking, right back. No. <laughs> am, I, am I bugging out or something? Or is that meant to be, is that meant to be some sort of typo? So then <laughs> everyone's seen the team now. Everyone's come to me. The players at the time, like, yeah, look, man, like, we've seen you in training. Like, it's, it's time, like, go out there fearless. And I never forget Jammer came up to me and just like, look, I'm playing in front of you. Like, no, no pressure. Just think of it as it's normal 11 v 11 on a Friday. Starters versus the subs. Like, look what you do to people there. It's the same thing. Yeah. So I was like, right, cool. So then the game kicked off now and just... You know, you're young. Like when you're young, you're just steady, Eddie. Like you try and ease yourself into the game. Like I was mad aware. Like I'm doing. I'm looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I, I, I can hear people like, "Mo, come, come in, come in." So I'm coming in. <laughs> the game starts to go, and I'm thinking, like, "Yeah, I feel a bit. I feel on my feet now." So then I'm I'm starting pointing at like the senior pros. Like, yeah, someone's there. Left, right, left, right. Um, and then obviously the goal now. So the balls. The ball's come, the ball's dropped to me, like, I think it's just over the halfway line, I'm not too sure, or just inside my half. Mm-hmm. So I've started, started running with it now. And as I'm running, it's like, it just feels like everyone's just backing off and backing off and backing off. And like, Jamal Campbell-Rice has made a run behind me and he's gone down the right. So as he's made that run, he's dragged another two defenders um, out to the right. So then I'm now looking at the back four. So I've gone from the two mid, I've gone from looking at one midfielder and one winger to now looking at the back four. So as I'm getting close to them, they just keep backing off and keep backing off. And I can hear like someone's trying to come from behind me. And I've, it's always been a habit for, of myself to dribble my left foot. So I'm dribbling my left now. And I think they're thinking, okay, this guy at some point, he's going to go down the right because obviously he's right footed. So they're showing me, down that route so I've took a touch inside and I've literally just seen I've seen the stars <laughs> I'm, hearing, I'm hearing people shouting yes yes pass the ball pass the ball I'm seeing runs and then I just put my put my head down and I just thought you know if I hit this ball as clean as I know I can hit it the rest is the rest is history so I hit the ball and I didn't even my head was still down when it hit the net and the minute it hit the net, I just heard the loudest roar and I thought, Phew. and then before I knew it, Goosebumps I, ran, stuff. I, I, I started running and I just got collided by teammates, subs, <laughs> everything, Next, you know, I'm at the bottom of a pile. I was like, I got up, I just, I always, when I celebrate, I always kiss my, I got a tattoo on my arms, I kissed that and point, point to the gods um, from my mum. I kissed yeah. that and I was just like, Raw. So I'm walking back to the um, to the kickoff bit, and I just froze. I was like, I just, just done a madness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what? it didn't it didn't kick in. Like I thought, raw. Like because you know, like normally you're you're used to watching or seeing someone else do that. Mm. I was just like, nah, man. So I carried on playing the game. I think it was like half time. People obviously people were still listening to the gaffer, whatnot, whatnot. And at the end of the game, that's when it just it just went from zero to a thousand. Like I was used to watch um, uh, the football league show. I don't know if it's mm. still on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. League yeah. Show. I had Twitter back then. I, I just literally jumped on Twitter back then properly. 
got back into the change room, looked on my Twitter, just notification, 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 notification. Mental. Got showered, went to see my family in the in the players' lounge. Like it was it was an experience, man. And literally when I got home, I said, yo, I'm recording football league. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that again. <laughs> then fast forward now, football league now, I'm I'm seeing myself. These times I used to love FIFA as well, so I'm, it's like I'm watching someone playing FIFA. So then I'm hearing the commentary behind it. I'm seeing all of this. I'm like, it just I just see it going. I was mm. thinking, wow, like is this is this what it's about? Like, mm. is this what being a YTS? Obviously, if people don't know what that is, it's being a um, having a youth scholarship when you're obviously when you leave school. Is this what? getting home at midnight after watching the first team on a Tuesday night? Is this what putting the goals up when your hands are frozen for the first team to train? Is this what pumping balls up that are freaking rock solid already? Mm. Is this what getting told off for not doing jobs? Like, is this what it's all, it's all about? And mm. you know what, that, I think that shaped me, man. But you know what, it's, it's weird because that summer, I didn't even, I didn't even let, it, let it get to me. Mm. That, that summer I was still in Downham so yeah. I was, I was <laughs> still on the end still on the end right? <laughs> I, had a, I had a little army now so I had like my brother my friend Michelle I had a lot of yeah. people who were moan at the time yeah. Ball we'd, go to, yeah. we'd go to the fields like we were doing we were doing our mini pre-season these times pre-season mm. was way away there was no holidays then like it was back to like summer in summer in Downham like it was yeah. the sun was out like you, you go to pits you go to Power League, which is obviously in, in yeah. Catford. Yeah. You no, know, that's what it was called at the time. You go and play there. Like t- teams would hear about like us sort of being like, okay, yeah, we want to play you lot. Like bring your strongest five. So then we'd play against like Stefan Cox, mm. uh, Daniel Johnson, yeah, Preston, Preston, yeah, Ryan James. I don't know where he plays now. Rory Hill. People like that would play against them like all summer. Um, mm. But yeah, man, that was. That was that was my breakthrough goal, and, so, and then yeah, go, sorry, gone, gone. No, on. so go. Moses, do you feel like that almost acted like a springboard for your career, or did that give you like this new element of like confidence and belief in your ability that, listen, you're gonna you're gonna make it and you're gonna make it real good in football. Yeah, you know what, man, I can't lie. It it gave me it gave me a spring to be fair. Like it gave me that it, it for me it put me on a pedestal, man. Like it was just like. <laughs> All this, all this time I've been waiting, like I mentioned, with the, the jobs we were doing, mm. seeing, seeing like when you're, it's hard, man, because when you're in the lower leagues, when like teams are struggling, they, the manager doesn't look to the youth. Mm. He looks to like the youth of like the Arsenal players, the Chelsea players, the Tottenham kids. And he can bring someone in who's your age, you know, um, from Arsenal, from Chelsea, mm. Um, who's, who may be better than you? Who may, who may have just, or he may have just been given a, a chance, you know. And a lot of luck um, plays a part at the end of the day. But I felt like it was just a sense of I'm, I'm good enough, man. Like I know I'm good enough now, and, and he knows I'm good enough. Like he's got trust in me. He's got because a lot of it as well comes down to trust. Like managers in the lower leagues back then, they didn't want to trust. They didn't want to trust the youth team player. They didn't know if he's going to go on the pitch and crumble under the pressure, whereas they know mm. if you go to Arsenal, you've got the kids training there with Thierry Henry. Mm. You've got the kids training with, you know what I mean? You go to Tottenham, you've got the kids training with Defoe. Like, it's, 
the pressure's normal for them. Mm. They're going to get a lot of pressure. They're going to get the most pressure from people like Defoe and, and Martin Joel, the managers back then. So I felt like it, it, it pushed me towards obviously where we're going to get to in the story. Yeah. Um, which is good. But going, you know, into that player final against um, Rotherham, there was a lot of interest surrounded you. So going into that game, did you know that if we don't win this, I'm going to be leaving for the championship? Um, you know, it's funny because I think in the January period, something was close to happening. So I was just like, and it was overwhelming to me because um, I think I just, I had an Asian who was just starting up at the time. So he didn't really have the connections and the, the relationships with the higher managers that other agents did. And it's, it's a funny old game because obviously you come across a lot of agents who try and take players who are under contract and try and worm, worm their way around deals and obviously trying to obviously give the, other, the current agent a little bit of money or, or whatever it is. So I had a lot of people in my ear and I'm from Downham, like mm. no one around me has been through something like this. So there's no one I can go and say, yo, what did you do when yeah. so-and-so happened? So I'm, I'm, as I'm going, I'm learning. So my head's all over the place. I'm hearing these, this team, that team, Premier League teams. I'm thinking, I'm hearing all of this, so what's going on? What's, so what sort of names did you, did you hear? At the time, I heard like Wolves, I heard Bolton, I heard Bournemouth, I heard, other, uh, I heard other teams. And it was just like these people interested me. I heard Whole City, for an, uh, funny enough, at the time. So I was like, okay, you know what? Um, I, I, I asked the manager to sit down with him. And that's one, like, he was a very good manager. And also, this lady. yeah, he was a good friend as well. Yeah. So you could go and talk to him on a level. And I said to him, like, this is the, like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, my phone's blowing up. I don't even know how people are getting my number. My phone's blowing up, like, um, people are telling me, yeah, I can take you here. I can take you here. Like, what, what's, what do you want me to, like, what should I do? He's like, listen, like, you keep your head down, you keep playing well, and the rest will sort yourself out. And then going into the, the, the playoff final now, I felt like off the back of the season I had, I think I scored... 12 goals? 12. Yes. Assisted, assisted more. I was just like, you know, I'm going, like, I'm going in there like, this is Pips. Like, <laughs> this is Wildwood. <laughs> this, is, this is playing fields. Like, I'm... <laughs> I had a... I had, we had, the team had a reputation. We knew Rotherham were going to be tough. But I thought, you know what? I'm, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to enjoy it, man. So my family came... I remember it was sunny, it was lovely. Like we, we went to Wembley the, the day before. We went on a Friday, I think. So the, the manager wanted to take us there to um, let us let it sink in so that when we go on Saturday, we're not going to be there thinking, wow, this is, this is crazy. So um, went on a Friday, went to the changing room, took pictures, panoramic view, all of that, seeing how clean the grass was, how, how <laughs> finely cut it was. Like it was it was amazing, and then on the Saturday it just felt like, for me it felt like it's written in the stars. Regardless of the result, I'm going to go out there and do something. If it's an assist or if it's it's a good cross or a, or a shot on target that hits the crossbar. Like regardless to myself, I've done myself and my family proud by being able to put the number eleven shirt on um, at a club where I started off at number twenty six with a 
XL kit that didn't fit me. <laughs> um, and now I'm going into the final with a fitted kit on. Back in the day, you couldn't, if you weren't in the first team, you couldn't cut your socks. So if you notice now, people have like a bit of white and they, yeah. so they have white socks as normal and then they'll cut their match day socks and put their match day socks underneath it. So back then, you couldn't do any of that until you were in the first team. So I'm there with my cut-off socks, thinking like, hey, yeah, like... Why do players do that? What, what, what is the whole like, so thing the, behind that? Originally, like, the, the normal official, like, kit socks, like, the sock is very padded, so it feels like you've got maybe, like, four, uh, maybe, like, three layers on. Mm. So people would just wear, like, the normal white sock which is one layer and then cut your actual match day sock okay, and pull it down. Okay. So, and it's weird because like when you're, when you're not in the first team and you're looking up to them, man, these are the set of things. These are the certain luxuries that little, you want. Yeah, so, little things. Yeah. And like when you're in the youth team, you have to take your kit home. So I'm on a DLR with some big rucksack carrying dirty kit from what I wore and I've got my boots underneath it. And then you're seeing the first team man roll up in their little Louis Vuitton wash bags and the kits are really washed for them, folded. So it's like all of these things now, like, I'm like, yo, I've done all of this, you know, like I'm in the changing room and I'm seeing youth teams sweeping the changing room and waiting for like the first thing to finish eating. I'm there with them eating. And there's kids my age who are doing those jobs. Obviously, don't get me wrong. It's, I'm, not, it's not, I'm not boasting or gloating or anything, but it's the little things that you see happening and you're like, wow, like, Ooh. I'm about to actually have a, have a career. Mm. Um, so then Wembley happens, obviously, everyone knows the result. Um, I think I assisted as well as obviously scoring. Um, similar to my first debut goal, it was, it was off instincts. The, ball, the balls dropped to me in the air and as someone's running to me off of instincts, I've tried, I've maneuvered the ball by chesting it to my left and making sure I, I kick through the ball. And as long as my head's over the ball, it, it's, it has to go on target. And um, I know <laughs> for my luck, obviously it flew into the roof of the net. Um, I think then I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I <laughs> flew, my, flew my top off. And as I threw it off, I started running and I started to, I saw Kevin Lisby like, what are you doing? Stop. Like, so I stopped and everyone come. Yeah. You could see it in the celebration as well. You were like, oh. Stop. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, what have I done? So then I picked up a yellow now. And I'm like, you know, I don't even, I don't even care about the yellow card. Like, I'm at Wembley. I'm just, this is where, this is where the national team play. Like, this is, this is a big game. Like, we're going to lift a trophy. So then, uh, next thing happens, I assist, uh, um, square one to um, Coxie he finishes it with 2 new up half time whistle blows um, I've got a little strut now like, I don't know where the struts come from I've got a strut I'm walking into the dressing room sat there the, gaff, the gaffer's talking I've got my shirt off just cooling down thinking 2 new up scored and assisted like we just got to see the game out like, he kept saying you're most vulnerable when, when you've just scored, so they're going to come out of the blocks flying, all of this, all of that. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, good one, Gaffer. Look. I'm, on top of, like, I'm on top of the world. The team's on top of the world. Anyway, we got out second half, and then Rebs, who was obviously at Orient before, scores an incredible goal. Yeah. And then I think they score another one from a corner. And I'm like, wow, like, this has gone from... 
we've just gone from hero to zero now. Mm. And then, as you know, cramp starts kicking in. So I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm on the verge of freaking passing out here. It was warm. My calves were, were going every time I sprinted. Um, we've gone through to extra time, handled that well, and it's come to penalties. And still to this day, I'm always like, I should have taken a penalty. I should have taken a penalty. I should have taken a penalty. I should have stepped up. So anyway, we had a low knee from Everton. He was younger than me as well. He mm. stepped up, scored. Then our centre-half now, he obviously, he's a ball player, French guy, Matthew Baudry at the time. He's like, I want to take one. And I'm like, then you know what? I sat down and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to put unnecessary pressure on myself. But at the time, that's what I said to myself. But now I'm like, that pressure is what makes us, us. And I could have handled that pressure, not even knowing that I would have handled it, but I would have handled it. And I feel like I should have taken one. But um, we lost on penalties. Um, I went down to see my family, as I always do. And everyone was just like, look, keep your head held up high. You done well, like the team done well, like little old Orient, as they used to mm-hmm. say. Um, and I was just, I just thought to myself, like, I need, I need a break now. We've, we've, um, we've done the playoffs, so we only had like literally a month off. So I need a break. We need to shut down from football. That's going to be interesting. What happens next year? All right, boy. So we're we're a bit strapped for time. So um, we're going to have to uh, blitz through the next uh, couple of questions before we um, then go to the next segment of the um, episode. So um, very very quickly, Moses. I know this is going to be difficult for you to do, but um, as I sort of started mentioning uh, a little while back, um, it was uh, in 2014 that you got that move to um, Brentford and you were bought for uh, a million pounds sterling. If you could summarise in one word, right, how you felt, what, what, what that move was, was like, having that kind of, that sum of money attached to your name, how did that make you feel? No, it's funny, man, because I didn't, it didn't sink in. Like, it, for me, it was just like, I'm me, but there's also someone else who's me, who's doing all these things. Because when mm. I was off the pitch, I just felt like, I just felt like myself. Yeah. So obviously to be bought for that price, it was a great achievement for myself and my family. But it was just, it, it was surreal, you know what I mean? And the most expensive really... person in Downham. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, at the club, obviously it was short-lived because they brought a Spaniard in for like 1.2 or something like that. But what before he came in, like some of the lads were obviously giving me like football banner about being being worth one million. Yeah. Um, but I just I just I just took it in my stride really. I didn't really let it um I didn't really let it get to me because I just thought, you know, at some point my dream is to play in the Premier League and I'm gonna be bought for a lot more than this. So for me it was just another step uh, in the right direction. Cool. Fair point. And then we fast forward um uh to your time at Hull. So obviously you were um, at Brentford for a little while, and then and, and then you got to move to Hull, um, and, and was was bought uh, in by Steve Bruce. So, what was that um, um, experience like? Was it was it um, any different to your 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 previous moves? Like, was no, nah, this like yeah, no, nah, this one was different. To be fair, because because obviously a manager like him, his his presence speaks for itself. Yeah, played in the game, managed in the game for years. When you've got him calling your phone, (coughs) 
and he's and he's telling you that he's obviously uh, an admirer and he wants to bring you to the club. You're like, wow, like, is this is this what level we're talking now? And mm. you look at the club he wants to take you to. At the time when I moved there, there was a like Mohamed Diarmi, Sean Luko, Tom Huddleston, Michael Dawson, Jake Livermore, um, Ahmed El Mohamedi, Ryan Snodgrass, Taylor, Robert Snodgrass, Andy yeah. Robertson, Abel Hernandez, Abel. You got. People, you had um, Jelovic as well at that time. Um, you got big, big people in the change room there. And for me, it was like going from, I was the big fish now in a little pond. Now to do that all again is now going to be very exciting. And it was, it was going to a club at the time that had a big fan base. And it was like, it's the only club in the city like everyone is whole, whole mad, whole city mad. Like you go down the road now and people are like looking at you like wanting to ask you a question, but a bit scared. Mm. Um, but no, it was overwhelming, man. Like I went up there, did the medical. Um, obviously there was a com- little bit of complication with it, but in the end it all got sorted. Um, and I found myself now training with international players, players who have uh, sponsorship deals, players who have played for it, players who have done a lot in their career, you know, and I, um, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to be me at the end of the day. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it. Like you've got players who force it a lot of the time. Mm. And people are like, not really feeling them. But I just thought, you know, what will be, will be like, you, you just, friendships, like, they happen by people just connecting to each other, just moving towards each other, you know? And, and I feel like, I feel like that happened with a lot of the players. Um, and, the manager obviously showed trust to pay, I think it was three points something for me. So I knew, and a lot of the players knew because I played against them in the cup um, when I was at Orient. So a lot of the players knew who who, who I was. So I, And I didn't even know that. So I was just like, right, he's not knowing who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, during I'll, the time, there was a lot of reported interest. Apparently, Roberto Martinez wanted you from Everton. Tottenham were also interested. Was any of these um, offers concrete? Nah, you know, in football, there's a lot of there's a lot of hearsay, man, and a lot of um, there's a lot of dealings that happen in terms of like people try and push players out there. Maybe agents, I don't know, or journalists. But who knows? It it, it could have been. We don't know. But I think at that time in my career, I was just focused on. Um, playing as many games as I can at Hull City and, and getting them back to the Premier League. Moses, um, obviously that season, you know, culminated spectacularly. And um, obviously you were playing right back and there was a player um, on, on the left side that, in my opinion, you were arguably performing at a higher level than him. And obviously he's gone on to be, you know, this world-class um, performing left back and then now a European champion and now on the verge of actually, you know, winning a Premier League. If it wasn't for injuries, do you feel that you could have been at that level or near that level? Yeah, obviously, ifs, ifs a big word in it at the end of the day. Um, what's happened happened, and it's in the past. But the way I was going, only God knows where I would have ended up next, you know, and obviously credit to, to Robbo because obviously he's done well and it's not been clean sailing. Um, but he's kept fighting and he's, he kept his head well and, and it's paid off, you know, and I feel like if I carry on doing that myself, who, who knows where I'm going to end up. 
And so, you know what? You also were playing with um, a certain Harry Maguire, who's who's obviously also gone on to bigger and better in in, in being now the captain of, of Manchester United. Did you did you see back then those kind of ingredients uh, in him to to go uh, and play at that level? Yeah, you know, I got a funny story as well because H was on loan at Wigan. I don't know what he was. At, I'm trying to think who he was. He was on he was on loan at Wigan. Um, and I had moved to, when I was at Brentford he was alone at Wigan and I remember we were playing against we were coming up against him and you get it a lot of the time like players they don't look down on other players but they kind of say certain players don't deserve certain things they don't deserve to be what they are so there was a, before we played them there was a lot of hype and speculation about he doesn't deserve to be where he is etc etc um, and then played against him was he done okay um, but when I moved there um, and I was training with him day in day out and playing games with him, I was like, wow, how, the cheek of those guys to be saying that, like, he, the kid, he's, he's got it all, like, he can run, he's, he's very good on the ball, like, you don't, when when you see a big person, you automatically think, can't, can't play, can't play, <laughs> he's not, H, obviously, he's a rare, he's a modern day, modern day, as, as they call it, modern day, <laughs> like, oh, like, he can play, he can dribble as well, like, with England, you've seen him dribble through a lot of people, even United, but, um, I was I, I saw ability in him and I knew he'd he'd go to the top. Moses, just very quickly on 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 what we're talking about, I just wanted to ask you. Um, we were speaking, you know, to an ex Premier League player, and he said that he feels that you know there's some players that are propelled to the top. Um, have you seen that, or do you think that's a, a real thing? And what what do you feel about that? Um, not nowadays. Not really, if I'm honest with you. Um, nowadays, a lot of a lot of luck plays a part. In ter- don't get me wrong; you need to have ability. You need to be working hard to even get the opportunity to to showcase what you have. But luck, in terms of you only need one good game or two good games before you've built a following, you've built that reputation, and then from there, that reputation then becomes part of you, and you're like, wow all of these people are, they're scared of me or they're bigging me up. I'm doing interviews for this stuff. I'm doing that. I've got Instagram followers, X, Y, and Z. And before you know it, in a, a lot of the players who have done that have gone to the top. They've taken that in the right way and used that as their arrogance on the pitch. And they used, they've used that to take them to the next level to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going out there today and I'm doing a madness. No, I'm going out there today and I'm playing against... Etc. And he's gonna, it's gonna be a tough game today. Like they're not their mentality is I'm going out there today, and anyone in sight is getting it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Moses. I want to fast forward a bit to you know the player final against Sheffield Wednesday, winning one nil courtesy of that Modiame goal. You're a Premier League player. I remember seeing the images of you and Robbo holding each other. Yes, we're going to the Premier League. You take your vacation. You come back in pre-season. So talk us through that moment. Well, it was, I think then I was just like, don't get me wrong, all the steps before that, I was overwhelmed. But this one was like, yo, my my dreams are in front of me now. Like, first game of the season, Leicester, I'm, I'm going to be seeing these guys in the flesh. Like, these guys are going to be trying to kick me. I'm going to be trying to kick these guys. Um... I'm seeing the Premier League emblem, like the, the emblem, you know, the, the, the badge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing like we're getting the um, the FIFA headshot thing. So it's like a 
there's like cameras all around your body. You're looking to the left, looking to the right, mm. dots on you, they're doing all of that. So I'm like, wow, this is this is gonna be a mad one. Like I'm thinking, <laughs> here we go. So then we go to Portugal. I'm I'm in my bestest shape ever. I feel like the players are telling me, yo, you're looking sharp. I'm giving guys the one-two steps, the chops, the drag backs. I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling fit. I'm feeling ready. I still had the ginger stuff in my hair. I was thinking, yo, this is <laughs> this is it. Like I'm still that guy. Um, and I was just ready for obviously uh, the season. And then obviously, unfortunately, um, the first the first preseason friendly we had touching down in the UK against Grimsby. It was just a, a freak injury with a player literally just running into me, which caused two years of, um, which caused me to miss two years of football. That's the so perfect Mo- segue, actually. Because- I wanted to ask, yeah, Moses, you know, when we see players get injured, we just see it on the Sky Sports ticker, Moses or DeBarjo out for six months, eight months. But as a player, as a human, how are those grueling months? You know what, though? The first, cause I had three operations. I don't know if you lot knew that, but the first um, operation, I think four months into it, I was flying. Like they said to me, it was going to be at least six to eight months. So I was flying. No one was telling me anything. Like I was, I was doing stuff at four months that you probably do at like six months. I just thought, yo, like it's written in the stars. The comeback's not like the comeback is, it's now. Like, it's happening. Like I'm ready. Like I was in the gym. I was working hard. Like the players were anxious. Like everyone was waiting for me, and then. I had a setback. I slipped. Literally, I was doing, I think I had two more clearance sessions. So I, I did one session and I'm like, you've got two more after this, then you're back with the team. So then at the time, Marco Silva put it in the papers that, yeah, he's, we're awaiting his return. Like, he's not far off now. He's going to train with us next week. So I'm that, yeah, I'm ready. Like, it was, it was a nice feeling. Like, I thought, you know, I could come back now. The team weren't doing too well. I could come back now. Pledge myself, pledge myself into the team, do well, history, I've come back from an injury, playing in the Premier League, etc., etc. Um, so I ended up slipping. Imagine I did, well, at the end of the session and the fitness coach was like to me, okay, do 20 crosses on your um, left leg. So I start, did 20 crosses on my left leg. And he was like, do you want to do some on your right leg? So I was like... Um, oh no, vice versa. So I did 20 crosses on my um, right leg. And then he was like, okay, do you want to do 20 crosses on your left? So I was like, okay, why not? Then literally, I did two. Then the, the one after that, so I'd, the drill was I'd pass the ball to him and make a run. He'd play it down the, down the line and I'd run onto it and cross the ball into the box. He played it down the line. I ran onto it, I slipped. And then my knee just locked, like it locked at a 90 degrees angle. So I was just like, wow, this isn't, this isn't what I did before. And I looked down and like my kneecap had like come apart so I could put my finger through my kneecap. And then next thing I just felt blood pumping from everywhere into the knee and I couldn't get up. And obviously I found out then later on that I had fractured my kneecap. Um, Then operation number two, and obviously to, to fast forward things, now I was a bit more precautious because obviously what happened, started seeing um, private people, 
um, Skyping people from America who have done studies on X, Y, and Z. Um, and then as I'm just getting back towards the end of the season in the Premier League, thinking, okay, I'm going to get a little shot. We're going to get, re- like, we're in the relegation zone. Like, it's going to be tough, but if I can showcase something, it might help. Um, jogging, literally just simply jogging, and my knee just gave way again. So then it refractured. Um, so then now, the next surgery, the last surgery, they basically said, look, we're going to go back to what you first did and amend that and then sort out this issue. So they sorted out two issues in one and they put um, metal in my knee and they said to me, for this summer, just relax, do nothing, let the bone heal, let the metal sink into the kneecap. And obviously I've just seen my team get relegated now. I've seen players leave. I've seen three or four managers come and go. It's just, we're we're now back in the championship. Um, Half of the team that I've I've known have left. New players are in now. You're now labelled as a, injured player who's always in the gym like it was it was tough it was, it was a tough it was a tough time in my career I took my it was a sense of depression like I took that to my home life home life wasn't well my relationships with my girlfriend I was taking it out on her doing things that I shouldn't be doing and it's it all it all played a part you know and it's like you don't want help from others because you don't want to seem like you're weak and vulnerable um I started doing Spanish, like I mentioned earlier on, to try and peel me away from that side of things. But it was only a temporary fix because when I started to see players move to clubs, I saw Robbo leave, saw Harry leave, saw Jake, saw Sam Clucas leave. I'm thinking if, 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 everything's if. And I was always holding on to what was then in the past. Mm. Um, it was it was it was tough. I'm not gonna lie. And then even in that season when I was coming back, it took me a whole season to get back, and I didn't feature in any of the games because there was I'll take 20 steps forward, take five steps back, and have to rest for a couple of weeks. Take another step forward and have to rest for a bit. Other muscles weren't used to obviously the load because I hadn't done anything for a while. I lost my leg was my right leg was literally like a, a chicken bone compared to my left one. Um, to try to build that back up, like it was, it was, it was hard, man. Like it was, it was something that I, I wouldn't wish on anyone else because a lot of people would be like, oh, "You got it easy," like you know what I mean. You're still getting paid, like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But that doesn't bring me happiness. Mm. My most happiness was taken from me, which was watching people play every Saturday or Tuesday, what it was, and I was sat in the stands. Look, things like not even being able to walk properly, getting up and down stairs at a time I was. We're limping, couldn't get down points where I couldn't even shower. Like it was it was tough. It was tough. Budge, sorry, I know we need to move on, but just a very, very quick question. How good were the club with you? What how good were the club um at the time of your injuries and how important um was your support network at the time? I know you said that, you know, you'll start, you know, getting upset at people, but obviously that's because people cared about you, I'm guessing. So how important were those factors? At the time, you know, at the time you don't you don't really realize it, man. Because if I'm honest, I was in a dark tunnel. Like I wasn't hearing nothing from no one. Like the club were were very helpful. Like the physio said to me, "Look, just clear off for a month because you can't do anything till September." So in August, he was like, "Clear off for a month, clear your head." So me and my girlfriend we went on a holiday. We did things that I wouldn't be able to have done if I was playing, um, which was nice. Um, 
but still then like I just felt like I wasn't listening to I wasn't listening to the people who were most important to me like yes I'd take it in but listening and, and reacting off of it is a different thing like I it was hard because they wanted the best for me but I was always blaming I blamed the person who got me injured I blamed the surgeons I blamed God I blamed I blamed whoever I could blame rather than looking at myself and saying you know what change needs to happen like there were days when I was like I don't even feel like showering today there were days where I didn't even feel like getting out of bed and we lived in a house in Leeds at the time which was which was quite big so people would knock on the door it'd take me a long time to get downstairs so I'd just open the window some days and say what do you want and now when I look back and think you know that's rude and it was part of the journey you know and I feel like that now has moulded, it's moulded me mentally more than ever. Because, yeah, I thought I was mentally strong prior to, like, before the injury. But when that injury hit, I knew I was not strong at all. Like, I knew what I had before was just a full sense of, it was a full sense of arrogance in a sense in terms of, because I'm hot right now, I'm going to do this. But if I'm not hot, how's my mental state going to be? So it was it was a tough it was a tough time in my career, man. Yeah, so you know, you left on a free, you were offered a new contract at Hull, then you left on a free. And during this period there was a lot of interest. There was supposed interest from Celtic with Brendan Rogers. I remember that coming out in Sky Sports that you were apparently training with the squad. Was that true? And how close were you to moving to Celtic? It was true to an extent. I didn't train with the squad, but I um, I saw the squad. They trained and I trained after. Um, but I'm trying to think. So basically I trained after and then they saw enough because obviously they were a bit scared in terms of my history, not playing for two seasons. Um, so they were a bit scared, but they saw me training. So they said, okay, you know what, go back to London, do your scans and whatnot. Um, and then we'll sign you. We'll sign you after that. And obviously, as you guys know, with football, not everything's clean sailing in terms of people's bodies. Like, you might have something that shows up on a scan that you've never known. Mm. You've had it your whole life. So something came up on the scan that I've had my whole life, which I didn't even... Which I knew at the time, obviously, because I'd done scans with Brentford and Hull. So they knew, but Celtic didn't know at the time that um, I was born with something that's, that was in my body. Um, and because going off the fact that I hadn't played um, for two seasons... Their medical, their head of medical advised Brendan. Obviously, I'm not sure um, we should sign this, this kid because obviously that issue. So obviously this was ongoing for weeks on end. So it was, it was killing me because obviously I was out of contract. And preseason's obviously underway now, and it was it's a norm. It's a norm now that there's a lot of players who are out of contract come the start of the season. But when I was younger, by the start of the season there was hardly any people out, any any players out of contract. So I'm thinking, okay, there's a lot of players out of contract, but I still need to. I still need a club. I still need to play. I want to play. I want to show everyone what I can do. Um, so Brendan gave me the call and just said, "Look, it's a no for now, but it's not no forever. Keep doing what you're keep doing what you're doing," which was good from him. He said, "You may need to drop down the level to then come back up." Um, we've always been admirers, and I said, "Fair enough." Um, so then, for like a couple of weeks, I was on the phone with my agents every day. What's new? What's new? What's new? What's new? As you believe, and at the time, I still had a friend who was at Brentford. I still had friends at Brentford anyway, um, and I was staying with Nico Unaris, mm-hmm. um, and 
he was like, look, I can speak to the manager for you. Come in and train. He already asked if he wanted to come and train. So I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So I went in and trained and I started training and I was around the players, the staff. And I was just like, yo, it feels like I'm, I'm back home. Like, you ain't got to go through all of that, getting to know people, mm-hmm. everyone knows who you are. The kit men, the masseurs, the physios, they all knew me. So I was just like, this feels right. And their medical team are probably one of the best that I've dealt with throughout my career. Um, they're just very good, very hands-on in terms of if you need a rest, they'll give you a rest. Like you don't need to train all the time. So I was like, this this feels good. So anyway, we brokered a deal there, which was obviously good for me because it got me back playing. And I'm very grateful, obviously, for Matthew Brennan, Matthew Benham, Dean Smith at the time, Thomas Frank. I don't see my agents for getting it done and giving me a chance to um, to show everyone what I can do. Um, and then I ended up obviously staying there for a year. Fair point. All right. Um, <clears throat> and so fast forward to now, um, where you, you, you obviously got the, the move to Sheffield Wednesday. Did, did that almost feel like a, a new opportunity for you to like turn a new, like start, start a new chapter in, in, in your career, you know, just start with a, a clean slate and just, you know, just another opportunity really. Is, is that, is that what it kind of yeah, felt like? Yeah. It was to be fair because obviously it was my old manager at the time. Steve Bruce and I was like yo this guy knows this guy knows it all about me obviously he's been with me obviously hard uh, lows and highs mm. so it's a time to go again and I thought you know this is a club where the fan base is incredible like, it's, prim- it's got Premier League following like, the fans are die hard which is what I wanted um, and then obviously little did I know that with all of that comes the negatives you hear more, you see more, there's more pressure involved. And this is probably the biggest fan base that I've played under or in front of, should I say. Like you're going, we're going away to, we're going away to teams like Derby and Birmingham and it feels like it's a home game. Like they're take, they're, feeling, they're selling out on all the allocation that they get. Like these fans are, are the real deal. Like they, they will travel to London on a Tuesday night and they will support you, then go to work on Wednesday. Like it's it's amazing what 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 this club has. And all of that obviously does come with negatives, like I've said before. Um and I've unfortunately not started the season as well as I wanted to have. Um and I feel like I've put a lot of pressure on myself in terms of wanting to get back to where I, where, where I was, show everyone what I could do. And when I don't do that, that's when it feels like rather than dropping normally, it feels like I'm dropping down six mountains mm. because it's like that pressure's, I've put that pressure on myself, not even from the fans, I put it on myself. And now that's not happening, it feels like I've got so much more, I've got a long way to climb before I can reach the top again. Yeah, so Moses, how unsettling was it? Because Steve Bruce came to the club, then obviously there was that whole ongoing saga with Newcastle which he, he finally left to go to. Then obviously Gary Monk comes in. As a player, knowing you're bought by someone to perform a role, then another manager coming in. Did you feel unsettled? Not really, you know, because obviously it's, it's football at the end of the day, you know, like, it sounds brutal, but managers are here one minute. If they're not performing, they're going the next. Like, it's, it's just like players, if I'm honest. Um, and I just thought Gary Monk's coming in. He's managed... Uh, He's got experience. He knows how to work with players. Um, he's got a good choice of players to choose from in terms of position-wise. 
I just need to show him that I can I can perform well enough for him to pick me week in, week out. And um unfortunately there were games probably where I haven't where I didn't show him that I could perform to the standard that I want to perform at week in, week out. So So Moses, another question I've got for you. In terms of the injury, how fully fit do you feel now? Do you feel ninety to hundred percent or you still feel like you're still making inroads on getting to your best? Physically I feel like I'm I'm stronger than I've ever been, to be honest. Um I'd say probably the only thing is mentally, because like I can see a difference in terms of leg size um, when I compare my left to my right, but the strength is still there. But I feel like that is a little niggle for me that I'm that I'm working on now and trying to to bring as equal as I can. But I've been obviously advised that just because the, the size is different doesn't mean that the strength is different. Because my right knee is obviously going to grow differently now because mm. of how many times it's operated, the scar. So that's something that I've slowly had to deal with and, and stop trying to perfect um, and rather than that, work on other things, which, which I'm doing. But I feel, I feel in tip-top shape, um, can run, um, multi-directional stuff is okay. So on that front, all is well. So if, when football resumes, should I say, what are your goals for the rest of the season? I know, obviously, you've spoken about upturning form, but what is your short-term goals, you know, just to finish off the season? Um, my short-term goals are just to enjoy it. Mm. Just enjoy it, man. So do you feel that, sorry, Moses, do you feel that you've almost, you know, you, you've come back from adversity? So do you almost feel like it's just about enjoying football again? Yeah, it's just about enjoying the little things again, man, and, and stop taking, like, when you're in a rut, you start to take things for granted, like, you, you wake up some mornings and you're like, oh, don't get me wrong, there are days when you're going to wake up when you're tired and stuff, but I feel like, for me, the short-term goal is just to think of Power League, think of down and playing for yeah, think of all of that. Now, I know I'm, I'm a million really- miles away, 200 miles away from all of that, but just to think of out on the pitch, enjoy it. You're gonna make mistakes. Move forward. Don't dwell on. Don't dwell on what's 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 done is done. You know what I mean? And and I've stopped living off of yeah, they're they're good things to have in my history book in terms of promotion, etc. etc. But I've stopped living off of all of that. And now I'm seeing as people know me for who I am today, not what I've done, not what I've been promoted, not when I've been at Orient. They know me for what I'm doing now, my current form. And for me, it's just about enjoying it. Fair play. Now, obviously, Moses, just to, just to wrap things up, um, it is well documented, uh, but some of our uh, listeners and viewers may not be aware that you are uh, an ambassador for um, Malaria No More UK. Um, and, and that is a cause which is uh, very dear to your heart because, you know, we've obviously spoken about highs and lows. And I can obviously imagine for you the, the, the biggest low of, of your career, of your life to date, was the fact that, you know, you're, you, you lost your mum at a very, very uh, young age. I think you were 13, 14 at the time. Um, and, and, it, and it was to, to malaria. And so, you know, you've now decided to um, be an ambassador for, for that. Um, so I guess I wanted to just ask, you know, a bit about, you know, what, your, what, what you do as, as part of that. Um, and, yeah, and just, just shed some light on, on that. Yeah, so basically it was, it was an organisation who got in contact with me when I was at home. Um, they saw my um, piece. I think it might have been in the. It was in an. Uh, it was in a newspaper anyway. Mm. 
and they got in contact with me and just just told me what they want to try and do um, in terms of trying to bring malaria to not to an end because obviously it's going to be tough to do that with just however many, however many workers they have but to try and bring the, the, the cases down because there's a lot that goes on that obviously we don't hear about being in the UK because it's not relevant because obviously it's not affecting us in the UK or it's not affecting the bigger countries um, but working with them like I've learned I've learned a lot of stuff you know about what what goes on um, and in terms of what they're trying to do and how they're trying to trying to help effectively kids and families in country in countries in Africa mm. um, and they're obviously they're basically trying to help with safety nets in terms of to stop mosquitoes getting in they're trying to help with educating the kids who feel like as my mom felt like she wasn't she was immune like she felt like she was immune like if a mosquito bit her she'd be fine because she was brought up there they're trying to educate mm. a lot of kids to doing that and they're pledging towards people higher, higher up to see if they can do something to bring to bring it to an end because as we've seen with this coronavirus that there is a cure for malaria and if there is a cure why why they're not curing um these kids and people obviously in, in in africa and what's touched what touched me as well is a lot of the cases were coming from nigeria at the time so it's like and that's my heritage you know and we yeah. do we still do have family over there so when they got in contact i just said you know what this is something that if I can push to uh, on my platform to help, I will do so. 100%. So when there are days in terms of like World Malaria Day or when, when they've reached uh, a certain amount of pledges or when they've spoken to politicians, when they've spoken to people higher up, they would inform me um, and, and let me know. So then I'd obviously send something out saying thank you. There are other ambassadors. Um, Andy Murray's one of them. David Beckham's another. Um, don't know if you guys know Charlie Webster. She was the one who was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then there's 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 a runner. There's a, there's a similar guy. Um, Sorry, my my thing was on mute. I was saying the Sky Sports presenter. Yeah, yeah. Charlie's, yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of people obviously who have um, been in contact with the disease, they've obviously joined um, to try and push push the word out because imagine her like going to um, Brazil. To, to do the Olympics and obviously not knowing. And then when I spoke to her about it, funny enough, she thought that was it. Like they were ready to um, turn off the life machine because they had, they had, they had no cure for it. Um, and they were given her drugs that were out of date or given a medicine that wasn't working. And her mum flew over. And then that's when someone who was walking past asked, have you guys tested for malaria? And they said, Oh no, we'll do that now. And then that's when they tested for it. Um, and it was it came out positive, so that that story is obviously incredible itself. Mm. I feel like now, as as a group of special ambassadors, with the platform that we've been we've been blessed with, we can try and push it push it further into the hands that it needs to be into. Hundred um, percent, and we, um, as we obviously mentioned before, we went on air. You know, we were speaking about it. You know, we are uh, as a platform going to support that as well. Um, and support you in your endeavours as an ambassador f- uh, f- for, for that charity. Um, and so we'll make sure when we put out the, the uh, episode, we'll share the links and um, uh, let all of the viewers and listeners know where to donate if they'd like to as well. Um, yeah. And that kind of thing, man. So, so big up yourself for, for having this, the strength to, um, to stand up for something like that, you know, despite all of you know, the, the things that have happened to you in your career, in your life and that kind of thing, man. It's honestly 
uh, uh, such an inspirational story, man. Hundred you know, percent. Like, like we obviously already alluded to, you know, I've, I've grown up with you and your and your older brother, and like just the way that he handled things in in, in school and stuff, and it's just just to see what you guys are doing now, man. It's it's honestly so 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 inspirational, and we're supporting you. You know, we already said we we've, we've been following your career, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to support you, and and we know that you're you know you're gonna. Uh, do do and deliver uh, great things. You've got so much of your career still left to play, man. So you know the the, the world is your oyster, man. Um, thank you very very much for coming on the the platform, bro. We really appreciate it, man. No worries, guys, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's, we appreciate it. Yeah, and hopefully you play for Nigeria as well, man. <laughs> I want to see you get that yeah. call up, man. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And just to echo Budgie's views, man, your story is inspirational, man. I'm I'm touched, bro, man. So we're gonna be supporting you to the end. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. 100%. So, listeners, thank you very much for listening in up until this point and viewing up until this point, of course. If you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you, you, you do subscribe as soon as possible. It's the Beautiful Game podcast on YouTube. Uh, a reminder that you can listen to our content on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and on Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening in on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five-star review because your engagement <laughs> helps us build but you're, you're milking these visions <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you do make sure you follow us on twitter as well at podcast underscore tvg and follow us on instagram too at pod underscore tvg i think in terms of the checklist that's all sorted isn't it dot yeah five star okay. <laughs> fantastic so until the next episode guys over and out Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.